this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. First, I want to thank Danny for getting me technologically up to speed. Um, he was like, dude, it's 2019. You've got to preach with an iPad now. Uh, to think I was about to get up here with paper, that's embarrassing. So, rookie mistake. Thanks, Danny. Um, but as Daniel said, my name is Jim. Uh, I've been a member of Connection Church for about three years now uh, since I moved up from Arkansas. And I work in digital advertising, so I've done a few client presentations with PowerPoints, but this is my first sermon. So super excited to be up here. Um, and in my time in New York City, you know, I, I've learned a lot um, in three years, but um, I would say that one thing that's easy to see is that we are a people in need of endurance, right? Um, it takes a lot of endurance to live here. And we kind of live in this racetrack lifestyle of constant commuting, um, constantly working. You know, I have a couple of my coworkers uh, here that would be the first to tell you in our industry, as an associate, you kind of walk in the door right out of college and you're super eager to get going, to, you're bright-eyed, you know, ready to work in the real world, since that's the peak of life after all, isn't it? Um, and you, after a while, you kind of, uh, you know, maybe have lost a little bit of that light in your eyes. And instead of, you know, wearing your nicest dress shirt, you're wearing that, like, wrinkled tee that's like your last line of defense before you, like, run out of clothes. Um, it's almost as if I'm talking about myself. Um, but uh, we lose motivation. We lose um, focus. We need endurance, right? Um, and similarly, in this letter uh, to the Hebrews that we're going to be talking about, these Christians being addressed here were also in desperate need of endurance. And what we're going to talk about today as we examine the Scripture, um, our theme here for Hebrews has been Jesus is better. And so today we're going to talk about why Jesus is a better source of endurance and what does that look like to endure in our faith. So if you have a copy of the scripture with you, uh, today we're going to go um, through chapter 10, verses 32 through 39. Recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, 
but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. This is the word of the Lord. So, as we dive in here uh, into this letter that is encouraging uh, these Hebrew Christians, uh, just want to be clear. To endure means to last or to suffer patiently. That was my favorite definition that I read, uh, to suffer patiently. And there are three things that uh, I want us to take away from this. Number one, uh, as we dive in here, this, um, the author of Hebrews is encouraging these Christians who uh, were obviously enduring some hard times. So number one, remember why you chose Jesus in the first place. Remember why you chose Jesus in the first place. So, these Christians being addressed here, they had placed their faith in Jesus as the Messiah or the promised Savior that they had been waiting for. And this resulted in being publicly shamed. Uh, Many of their families had cast them out or disowned them. Um, They were being thrown in prison. They were having their property taken away from them. And they had to watch as their fellow Christian brothers and sisters were enduring the same thing. And we see all this described in verses 32 through 34. uh, Because the religious authorities of the time who upheld the old law, which the old law were the terms that God had set for our relationship with him, terms that we continued to break time and time again. It was clearly a law that we could not fulfill on our own, and we've talked about that uh, before um, in our series for Hebrews. Um, The religious authorities of the time put Jesus to death for claiming to be the Son of God, for claiming that he was going to provide a better way than for us to try in vain to make up for our brokenness and our sin. So they believed his followers, these religious authorities believed that Jesus' followers deserved the same treatment. Yet despite all of this suffering that they were going through, they had this inexplicable joy. And the author of Hebrews is reminding them of this joy. He's saying in verse 32, remember those days when you first came to faith in Jesus, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. And it says you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you had a better possession and an abiding one. To abide means to live or to dwell. So they had a possession that was living, that did not die, that did not fade away. And Jesus was that possession. So they suffered patiently because they believed their suffering to not be in vain. To exercise patience in the midst of suffering means that you're, you're hoping for something on the other side of that. You know, just to give you background here, this was a people that spent their lives up to this point under the old law that we just talked about, in which they were hopelessly bound to a life of constant ritual, constant rule following, trying to make up for their mistakes, every day trying to make these ritual sacrifices to restore our relationship with God, looking to high priests to act on our behalf. But it proved inadequate, as we 
continued to break it time and time again. And you can imagine that this would make them lose a little bit of the light in their eyes as well, like our poor associates that we were talking about earlier. You can imagine um, the culture of this culture that was perpetuated by the religious authorities of the time was one of self-righteous legalism almost. You know, and it was, they continued to demand this type of behavior to continue, that this was the way. These authorities, these high priests so wrapped up in righteousness, in their own righteousness, that they looked the righteous God in the face and said, you don't know a better way, and you deserve to die for suggesting it. But God came to us as a human, the only way he could identify with us, right? He said, you don't have to do this anymore. There is a better way. I am going to fulfill this old law for you simply because I love you. That was a grace and a love that they didn't even know existed before Jesus. I mean, it was legalistic ritual meeting abundant grace. And their hearts were transformed by it. I mean, they were, they were completely captivated um, by what Jesus was offering. It was better than anything they could imagine. So, they, so much so that they were willing to part with their self-image and their reputation and their, even their material possessions. Their hearts were changed. So the author is encouraging them here to remember why they chose Jesus in the first place. And the same for us is true. That's what's so amazing about this. The same for us is true. The reason that we choose Jesus is because he first chose us. Number two, your old ways can distract you, but they can no longer define you. So what changed here? Why is the author encouraging them by reminding them of when they first came to faith? because the decision to follow Jesus clearly did not come without a cost. As time went on, as they continued to suffer through persecution, they likely began to feel discouraged and question whether this was worth it. They're thinking, wow, some pretty awful stuff has happened to us since we started following Jesus. Maybe it would be better for us to go back to the way things were before. Maybe Jesus is just too good to be true. We see this so often in our own lives. You know, we encounter a lot of um, trouble along the way. It's easy to get discouraged with so many distractions out there. And I see that so much in myself. I start looking to other people, work, social media for validation. In this, you know, in this great city, it's a great one, but it's a lot, there's a lot of focus on how, you know, what, what we're accomplishing, the name that we're making for ourselves. And I so easily forget in all the distraction what Jesus has done for me because I start believing these lies like I'm not enough or I can't measure up. I, uh, I haven't accomplished enough. I can't offer the world anything. I'm the only person who struggles in this particular way. And maybe, you know, Maybe the lies that you're being told look like that. Maybe they're a little bit different. Maybe you feel like you have it all together or you don't need God. Um, but there is an enemy who is trying so hard to distract us 
from the truth. And in the case of these Hebrew Christians, the enemy was definitely telling them that all this suffering was not worth it. But what does Jesus say about this? Uh, in the book of Matthew, chapter 9, verse 16 and 17, he paints a beautiful picture. And he says this, No one puts a piece of unshrunken cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. He's saying, I have made you new. I've given you a new life with me. Trying to go back to this old life of yours without me, it doesn't work. Just like trying to put a new patch on an old garment, just like trying to put new wine into old wineskins. It doesn't work. He has fulfilled this old law for them and for us. So going back to it doesn't work. So what were those lies that I was believing before? I'm not enough. Jesus says, I am more than a conqueror. I can't offer the world anything. How about I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Jesus gives us a truth to combat every lie. And the Scripture, you know, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So I'm the only person who struggles in this way? No. And the enemy has no choice but to lie to us because the truth is he's already lost. So our old ways, they can distract us along the way, along this journey, but Jesus has made it possible for them to no longer define us. So number three, look to God's example of endurance. Verse 35 and 36, it says, don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance so that you may receive what God has promised. And what has God promised us? We can look back at chapter 9, verse 15. It says, he, Jesus, is the mediator of a new covenant, as opposed to the old covenant or the old law, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred, Jesus' death, that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Eternal life through faith in Jesus. That is what he has promised us. And the, this promise, it wasn't just for these Hebrews addressed in this letter. It's the same promise for us, and we need that promise. Notice the word need in verse 36. For you have need of endurance. Not you might want this. Not it's optional. You require this. And what's so amazing about this, you know, God is, God's not sitting there lounging around saying, well, you guys got yourself into this, so figure it out. Get through it. Instead, he set the ultimate example for us. In our need for endurance, we not only look to Jesus as the greatest source of our endurance, but as the greatest example of it. From the beginning, when we chose to go in this opposite direction of God, he knew what he had to do in order to reverse that direction for us. 
And because of his love for us, he took action on our behalf. He came to us. He lived a human life. He identified with our pain and our suffering, knowing that what he had to, he had to do required more endurance than we could ever know. The very people he came to save publicly shamed him. He was arrested, he was brutally beaten, and he was put to death on a cross. But he suffered patiently. And on the cross, he endured the weight of our brokenness and our sin because he knew the hope that was on the other side of it. And he knew it was the only way. The book of Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He suffered patiently even through death. And the resurrection is our hope on the other side of it. He defeated the death that we could never defeat for us. Let's finish this passage. Verse 37. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. This actually refers to an Old Testament prophecy about Jesus, the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. God promised them that they would be reunited with him forever. That he promised us that. And we just have to trust him. The author is saying... We live by faith now. Remember God's promise to us above all of this that you're going through that we are not those who shrink back anymore. Those are the old days when we would turn away from God. It got us nowhere. But now we are no longer identified by our mistakes. We are no longer identified by our inability to keep this old law. We are identified by what Christ has done for us. So, as we leave here, as we live our individual lives, we encounter our own troubles, our own needs for endurance, I want to challenge you here. And this call for endurance that we get from this passage that we've looked at today, don't think of it as a task for you to complete that puts the pressure on you. We want to do that. We want, to, we want as human beings, we need to get through this. We need to endure. We want control, right? But because of Jesus, we, the pressure is not on us. So think about endurance not as a need that through our own human effort we need to meet, but as a need that's already been met for you, that pushes us forward. You know, when you, when you go hiking out on a big trail, you know, you, you trust that the one who made that trail has paved a way to the end. No matter how long and how difficult that trail gets, you move forward knowing and trusting that you will get to your destination. And that's what we have left to do, is trust that God has paved a way for us because Jesus has done it all. It's worth it. The reason that we get this opportunity to endure, we get the opportunity to hope for something on the other side of this because Jesus endured for us. And maybe you're here today and you're not really sure how you feel about Jesus. You just want to know more. You just want to ask 
questions. I can tell you that there are plenty of people here that would love to talk to you about it. Myself, Pastor Daniel included. Or maybe your crazy teammate at work just said, hey, I'm preaching a sermon, you should come check it out. (laughs) It's getting really specific. Um, Don't be afraid to ask questions. Uh, I'm going to pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that we get to endure because of what you've done for us. Thank you so much that we don't have to be identified by our old ways. We don't have to be identified by our mistakes, by our past, whatever we regret, whatever we fear, whatever mistakes we've made. We, are no, we don't have to be identified by that anymore because of what you've done for us. Thank you so much that there is hope on the other side of this and that you are that hope. Thank you so much, Lord. I pray that we remember what you've done for us as we go out and live our individual lives where we need endurance, Father. Thank you so much. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.